you've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. Entering into the in 3D era of this is a big day. This is huge, and and we were briefly talking about this before we hit record. But like, theoretically, if this song didn't work out, this podcast wouldn't exist. Like, this is the the moment that kind of made this 40 year career possible. It's yeah, (laughs) I I, as best I can tell, that's true, and I, I. Man, I I honestly don't even know where to begin with this. <laughs> well, because so, there's so, so much to discuss. Um, so here's what here's yeah. what we're gonna do. I'm going to very quickly run down some facts about in 3D. Then we're gonna yes. in, invite our guest onto the show, and then we'll kind of talk about our experiences with this album before we dive into 
arguably one of the most important and famous songs by Weird Al. But uh, in 3D, it was recorded between the months of October and December in 1983. Uh, it was his follow-up to his only modestly successful debut album. Um, it caused a musical departure from that debut in which the arrangements of the parodies were now very close to the original, as we were talking about. Uh, and the accordion is no longer used in every song. It's only there if it's either deemed appropriate or comedically completely inappropriate. Um, and it is notable for being the first of his albums to include a polka medley that appeared on pretty much every album after this, with like one or two exceptions. Uh, it was met with positive reviews, peaked at 17 on the Billboard charts for album sales. It was named one of the top 10 albums of the year by People Magazine. Wow. And in 2011, Spin Magazine even named it the 17th greatest comedy album of all time. It was the first of what would be many gold records and went on to be certified as platinum over the years and eat it. The song that we're about to discuss won Al his first Grammy Award uh, for Best Comedy Performance in 1985. And we are joined by our mutual friend, the reason you and I even know each other, yes. Chris Fafalios of Punchline, One Hit Thunder, Chris Makes a Podcast, and various other great bands and or musical podcasts. A mogul. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. I've listened to every episode of Weird Algorithm. And I'm glad to finally be here for such a landmark episode. Thanks for having yeah, me on this, this one. Of course. What is your attachment with Weird Al from throughout your life? Well, speaking of Eat It specifically, and I'm sure you guys are going to say this 50 times on this podcast, maybe more than that. I think there's a chance that I knew Eat It before I knew Beat It as a little kid, because I still know every word of this song, and I don't know the words to Beat It. <laughs> I mean, I know words here and there, but I know every word of "Eat It." And this song has this song has more words than "Beat It." <laughs> nice, yeah, and <laughs> which I is know interesting. Them all. That's a whole other thing, but yeah, it's way more lyrics in this song. And yet, I agree with you. I do not know all the words to "Beat It," but right. I know all the words to this. Yeah, there. It's a perfect parody song, and of course, this is. I now you guys will be able to answer this. Is this the first? No. I love Rocky Road was one. I was going to say, is this the first in the long line of Weird Al parodies made into songs about food? But oh no, no. this is this is uh, Rocky Road second or my, third. My Bologna. Oh my yeah, Bologna. my Bologna. The first record. Right. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Of course. But this is by far way better than those ones. And I agree with yeah. that. <laughs> just everything about this song. And I know I'm skipping way ahead by talking about this. Well, you want to know my experience with Weird Al. Yeah. Of course, just like probably most guests you're going to have, what I'm assuming both of you, I think I've, I've heard you say this, Weird Al was one of the first things I can remember liking in music. I mean, any kid of the 80s or 90s is going to have a similar story. I would say at least half of them are going to have a similar story to the point where I remember going to the library, the Manesson Library as a little kid, and you could check out records. And I remember checking out Weird Al records and listening to them at home. That's wild. You could check out vinyl at the library. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this is some of my first. This is we all got to give Weird Al a lot of credit for that. You know, he, it, totally. there's definitely been it's definitely been a, a lot of peaks and valleys for Weird Al over the years. But I think now I just said this recently that Weird Al 
should be put, you know, who else I put on this pedestal? I put Tony Hawk recently on this pedestal. But you have mm. these people, Mr. Rogers, Dolly Parton, uh, you know, LeVar Burton, the uh, Steve Irwin. I think Weird Al's on that pedestal. I think Tony Hawk's on that pedestal. These people, they're just like, yeah. they've done so much good in the world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? I throw Bob Ross up in there. I throw Jim Henson in there as well. Like sure. just Yeah, artists whose contributions like truly defined a generation. Yes, yeah. their contributions de- defined a generation. And I, I think what puts them on, on that pedestal as well is that at the end of the day, whatever art they were creating, nine times out of 10, kindness was the biggest message that they were trying to bring. Like Al, maybe not so much. Al leans into the darkness in his songs, but you hear any interview with him and he just wants people to be happy. You know what I mean? Like it's this... It's this overall arcing goal of like, let's just make people smile. Like, like yeah. what is what is so wrong with bringing joy to people? <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. like the most humble dude ever. Obviously, <laughs> there's been s- some questionable songs. I mean, I think that he has been pretty mean in some songs in the past. I'm sure you guys would oh, agree. Yeah. You're you're going to be coming up to another Michael Jackson parody, which is actually pretty mean <laughs> in a lot of ways, you know? I, I know that maybe that's me being oversensitive. Obviously, I liked it at the time, but now when I look back on it, I'm like, uh, but Eat It, I don't think is necessarily mean. When it comes to Eat It, how iconic this song is that, I know this is something we were going to talk about, but that in the past couple years, at the start of the pandemic, making fun of the Gal Gadot Imagine thing that David Cross got a bunch of celebrities together to do a parody of that, of Eat It. And I mean, it had everybody (laughs) in it. I mean, Bob Odenkirk, Fred Armisen, Sarah Silverman. uh, It's just really the... The full gamut of like funny people got together and did a real sincere version of Eat It. And I thought that was awesome. It just goes to show the legacy of this song, I think. Oh, 100%. And I did have that written down in my notes. That that is is really, really funny. Also, before we dive into Eat It a little bit deeper, I do want to know right now at this point in time, obviously, I still have to re-listen to this episode for all or this album for all the other episodes. But where does in 3D, in your memory banks, is this an album that you really, really liked growing up? Was this kind of one of the ones that you didn't play nearly as much as others? For me, it's all a big mess. I got to admit, like, I love Weird Al as much as anyone else, but I don't know what songs were on what albums. I wouldn't have known this was on in 3D. I think the one album that I do know is Dare to be Stupid is its own album, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's that's one where I could probably name a bunch of the songs that were on it, but everything else is kind of just a jumble for me. So, so I gotta, I gotta tap out on this question, yeah. but I'm sure especially, you guys not can, I'm sure you guys know the albums. Front to <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, especially as a kid, uh, this was another one that I heard on the food album, the compilation record that came out, um, of, uh, all of his <laughs> food songs, uh, and then best ofs. Like I didn't, I, I don't think I heard in 3d in full until I was, um, Probably my late teens, actually. Um, so this was the songs. last one I owned. This was, was it really? This was one of the last Owl uh, releases that I ever Dude, purchased. I just, I just pulled it up. This one's terrible. This is not <laughs> a good Weird Al album. <laughs> this, the, the only other good song on this one that I see, man, you guys are, 
Man, this is going to be a rough one. The only other good song I see on here is I Lost on Jeopardy, which is another example. I I didn't know the original. I only knew I Lost on Jeopardy, which I like right, that one. Right. But the rest of this, oh, that the Brady Bunch, that's such a bad Weird Al song. That, I yeah, mean, <laughs> no. <laughs> we, we discussed that briefly on one episode. We actually did already talk about that a little. Uh, there's, um, uh, okay, well, I disagree with you. There okay. are some other really good songs on this record, but there are also a couple like, yeah, um, there are a couple that are not amazing. I I think that this is, um, and this might be a reoccurring theme. I think that this is a prime album where the uh, originals definitely outshine the parodies in a in a big way. Because I I remember when I did check this out, um, and and I think it might also be that he's covering a lot of the artists who I loved at that time. Yeah. So like him doing like a B fifty twos or like a you know, a couple albums later, he does a Talking Heads song as well. But whenever he's dabbling in the new wave stuff, I think he does a very good job with that genre. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I agree. Yeah, I mean, I think his his like new wave uh, style pieces and, and and things. I think that he's written some of the best songs, just not yeah. parody songs, not style piece songs, just some of the best songs. Like I think. I mean, this is for another episode, but I think he wrote the best Devo song. <laughs> yeah. So, well, and yeah. Oh, yeah. I, let me double check this. But at one point for the Geekscape website, I did a definitive ranking of the Weird Al releases. And I do think I put this very low yeah, on, I on mean, my list. Um, because Wow, that's interesting. I, I think I, 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 then I might like this record more than uh, either of you. I would say of all of his albums, like in full, I think this is in my in the top half. I mean, this isn't me talking shit either. I think he just no, prog- no, no, pro- progressively got better and better and and more elaborate and more creative as time yeah. went. I mean, like anybody. I oh I yeah, was, no, he he has definitely yeah. improved, and he is still here on this record all over the place. You can hear yes. him sort of still finding his footing. Right, I, there are like a bunch of songs on this record that are particularly uh, dear to me. Well, when when it comes to this song, one thing I've heard you guys talk about in those early Al episodes is that the hand noises are here. Yeah, they <laughs> yes. are. They, they made they, they made a little comeback because didn't you say they went away after a while? Well, they're here. Well, they do. I, I, at this point, they're still kind of around. Um, but it's this is a great bridging the gap thing. Cause we were talking about how like on the first record, uh, there's accordion on every song, and they were not doing like sound like covers musically. And this song is really an exact cover of Beat It musically, yeah. except for the hand farts right. <laughs> yeah, that open the track. That is, it's like just the remind, it's, it's a great cue at the top of the song that it is not the version you think it is. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's the only indication that it's not. All right, right. So let's real quick, some facts about Eat It before we dive in. It's obviously one of his most famous singles. It peaked at number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100 and was the highest charting single until 2006 with White and Nerdy wow. uh, for Weird Al. Um, wow. And it charted at number one in Australia, making it the only song that he ever had hit number one in any country. That's amazing. It was the last parody that was recorded for this album. It came together during a brainstorming session with his manager. 
Uh, he said they were just bouncing off ideas, and then suddenly they had written the whole song and didn't remember writing it. He was nervous to ask Michael Jackson for permission because he pretty much thought that he would say no, but Michael Jackson ultimately thought it was a very funny idea and gave them permission. Uh, the only thing that's really different about the song is that it's set in a different key to match Al's singing, and that the Eddie Van Halen guitar solo is now played by Rick Derringer uh, on the recorded album. Obviously, Jim West plays it when it's live. Until Smells Like Nirvana, this was his only top 40 hit. Wow. Can I point out two very important things that you left out there? Sure. You, you mentioned that it reached number one in Australia. Well, what I thought was even more impressive is that on the ARIA charts, which are like the, you know, I think it's Australia and New Zealand, the, the ARIA, you know, that's yeah. like the ARIA area. Eat it hit number one, but Beat It only went to number three, meaning Eat It was a bigger song than Beat It in Australia and New Zealand. And that is incredible. That's incredible. That is that is fantastic. And then one last thing, both Eat It and Fat uh, have since been removed from Al's set list for the most part. At least it was during the Strings Attached tour in the wake of the documentary that HBO had released, Leaving Neverland. Uh, at the time of the decision, Al said, I don't know if that's going to become a permanent thing or not, but I just felt like with everything that's happening recently, I didn't want anyone in my audience to ever feel uncomfortable. Interesting. I didn't know that. Concerning that and and the Michael Jackson, the other thing I wanted to point out concerning the Michael Jackson thing is, you know, he thought it was a funny idea or whatever, but he also did take half the royalties of the song? For the music video. For okay. any money made on the music video because it was such a spot for, well, and this is, I guess, because right now that sounds crazy, but I'm also thinking, well, we've watched the other two music videos and they weren't very close. Like they weren't nearly as like beat for beat. This perfect. is an attempt at a shot for shot yeah. uh, music <laughs> like, video recreation. Right. Uh, that's uh, interesting. I didn't know that about the video. How do you, I, I guess the, if you release it on home video, to, like, yeah, what, yeah. What's the royalties on the video? Is that like, did, did MTV pay out royalties on videos? I actually don't know this. May, don't they may either. have, actually. I guess yeah. I guess at this point, because they've been established for a little bit, they were buying... Because they were buying up videos in the beginning. They were... And that's why, like, yeah. if you if you've done what I did, which was sit and rewatch the first twenty four hours of MTV, which I don't recommend doing, it's a lot of like shitty top of the pops or like midnight special mm. things because. There was like eight bands that had made music videos up to that right, point, right, right. and they were just like buying whatever they could to create the idea of a music video. And it's weird to think that even with MTV not playing videos in like the age of the internet, like bands still do make music videos. Like, yeah, like MTV kind of created it, but it it has pushed forward beyond MTV into like YouTube and and you know TikToks or whatever else you want to. Yeah, no, it's its own art form. I, that, again, it's just. Because of how much it's changed, the idea of like let's split the royalties on this video is like that just doesn't even compute to me. <laughs> it's like yeah. that makes no sense. Like no one people you lose money on a video. Yeah, that's always, always what you do. <laughs> you yeah. never make money on a video. Yeah, it's like buying a car. <laughs> the second you you make, you're not making money on a music no. video. I don't know how no. you would ever. I mean, you think of it as just promotion. Uh, yeah. I would say right OK Go best. is the only band in history to make money on a music video since they made that for like right, $200. Right, right. Yeah, I guess at that point it was a thing. And, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, like they must have paid some royalty out. It's still a performance of a track. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I don't I don't know. I don't know. Weird Al really stepped in to the role. Somebody was going to do this. 
MTV's <laughs> around. Think about it. Saturday Night Live, comedy shows, doing impressions, parodies. That, that's that been a thing that's been around forever that people did. Mm-hmm. And just with the dawn of MTV, Weird Al was just there. He was the guy doing it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like someone was going to do it. I'm glad right it place, was right Al. time. Yeah, yeah, totally. And let's dive into the lyrics a little bit, because like you said, you guys know these words better than than any of us would know the words to eat it. But even just that opening line, I think, is so iconic. The, how come you're always such a fussy young man, don't want no Captain Crunch, don't want no Raisin Bran. Yeah. Great opening line. <laughs> well, don't it you is. know that other kids are starving in Japan, so eat it. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I, I was trying to think about, like, what is the one line in this that sticks in my head more than any and um <laughs> there's there's so many but i would say that the one is have some more chicken have some more pie it doesn't matter if it's boiled or fried i don't know why that one i feel like the first one i always think of is the eat it get yourself an egg and beat it because <laughs> i love the fact that it's referencing the previous song like like wow. it's it it both works and is actually naming the track he's parodying. Like it's just a weird, it's a great little bit of wordplay that he can I get both of those things I never thought about in. that. I never yeah. thought about that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I I, I kind of like the uh, the improv. Don't tell me you're a fool. <laughs> just, yeah, it's, it's really good. There man. are some really good, like another line when I'm thinking of like lines that I always think of. Playing with your food, this ain't no kind of game. This ain't no kind of game. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I love the fact that, like, I, I actually went back and listened to to Beat It last night, um, and those oohs are in the original, too, but for whatever reason, like, it's the same thing, but in Al's version, those oohs are so funny because they're the punctuations of those lines. Like, in Michael's, I would never think, like, it's just, like, there in the song, it's a little production thing, but every one of his, like, this ain't no kind of game, Ugh! like, that is just so funny, and, and it's so over the top and ridiculous. It makes me laugh every time. It's obviously difficult to talk about one Jackson parody without also comparing it to another <laughs> Jackson parody, but I think that that's also one of the things where it's, like, when he does fat, like, yeah, Michael Jackson in bed does the, like, sound mm. a lot in that song but he puts it after every yeah. single sentence yeah. is is the ha ah! <laughs> sound and it just makes it funnier the more that you hear it yeah in that background <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It's sometimes I, that's one of the things that is so easy to to not catch but actually love is literally quoting lyrics that are in the background of the song but he just does it a little bit like when he does like out loud <laughs> like in, in the background yeah. and stuff it's like that's in beat it like he says oh lord in the background of beat it but saying it in such an over-the-top fashion just makes it hysterical yeah you don't realize it's funny until he points it out yeah, ex- yeah. That, that's part of yeah. his gift and this video we've watched Ricky and I Love Rocky Road and there's something about the low budgetness of those videos that makes them very charming to watch but this one is like it's so impressive in both how out there it gets and like how close they play to the actual source material because I don't think when I think of like Ricky and I love Rocky Road, as weird as those videos can be, yeah. there's nothing like the dude ripping a lady's head off to kiss it or the random alien that shows up for no reason to spy on Al in his bedroom. Like, yeah, 
I have forgotten about the lady's head getting ripped off. That really made me laugh. That is such a weird little like just it's just so him. Such a strange like random choice to make. It's definitely that that homage to like he's taking that Marx Brothers energy of the 30s and just making it like mixing it with Looney Tunes, Tex Avery level violence and just condensing it into a single three minute concentrated video. And it is just pandemonium for three straight minutes. It is. He does a great Michael Jackson, you know, like sitting up in the bed. You know, like, like for some reason, it works really well. Like, he has the motions down. When he bursts into that bar and is just, like, frantically moving <laughs> through and, like, that dramatic throw <laughs> in, into the Billard's room, like, yeah. it's, it's all, like, if you watch a side-by-side -side comparison, he's hitting all of the steps and movements, but it's just so clumsy when he's, do like, intentionally clumsy. Well, I was going to say, it's interesting because it's, yeah, it is very, very clumsy, and it's legitimately hard for me to tell if that is him hamming it up or him trying his sincere best. <laughs> but either way, it's great. Like, it's so, like, yeah, because it's every one of Michael's moves is there, but it's just, like, oddly, like, he's, like, on marionette strings, like, <laughs> trying to, <laughs> to keep up with it all. Yeah, it's just all, like, amplified a little bit. I, like, in that scene with the billiards room, the other thing I love is, like, the pan in where it's just, like, eat it, eat it, eat it, and the camera's panning into him, and he has this bizarre, like, one eye is shut, and he's, like, squinting like a pirate face into the camera, <laughs> and then and then does the, <sighs> and fogs up, up the uh, lens. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to comment on that. It's such a minor detail. So I'm glad good. you picked up on that. <laughs> so well, good. Well, I think the moment where... Whoever, I imagine Al's writing these videos, he probably has help, but I imagine he's coming up with most of the gags and everything. Mm. But I think the moment where they have the knife fight with spoons. With At that point, they had to be like, we got it. Yeah. We are famous now that we did this. The knife fight with spoons while they're pulling a rubber chicken in between them. <laughs> like, it's just, I literally was just talking about this with some friends the other night because once a month I do a, a weird, I call it weird ass movie night and it's like, a triple feature of just truly awful movies, but I find a central theme to it. Mm -hmm. And we got into a conversation about like, I would rather watch something like the room or plan nine from outer space where it's a piece of shit, but the people who are making it were really sincere in what they were trying to do. than I would watch a Sharknado where it's just like, Hey, we're making a bad movie, but it's our, we're in, you know, intentionally making a bad movie. And I think that the, what works with this is that, the actors, with the exception of Al, never act like they are in a comedy music video. Like yeah. they are so <laughs> straight faced and like every beat of it, they're just like, yep, this is what our characters are doing. Like, I think that that works so much better where they're not hamming it up there. Yeah. It's just Al that's doing the hamming up in, in this. Dude, I didn't watch the beat it video, which I probably should have. But all those other actors from what I remember, they look exactly yeah. like... It's incredible. I, I don't think it's the same people, but it's the same wardrobe. Like They look exactly the same. It's wild. We missed two things early on in this video that are simple jokes, but they work, especially, again, in comparison to watching the original video. But you know, the video starts off with a guy sitting in the diner, 
or the bar and he's drinking his coffee and someone taps him on the back to let him know that it's time to brawl. But just adding in that he like does this over the top spit of everything that's in his mouth when he gets pat on the back. (laughs) And then immediately you go into the curly noises as like the gang is getting ready to go away where they're just like, whoop, 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 whoop. (laughs) It's so dumb, but it works so well with just like you said, the hand farts remind you this isn't beat it. Like, yeah. Those are those little moments at the kick of the video when this thing starts on MTV before the the little title card in the bottom third pops up. You're yeah. like, oh, okay, it's the Weird Al one. Got it. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> and it's it's just a great like. And then going back to the like to the end a little bit, the fight with the chicken. Like if you go back to the Beat It video, which I I did rewatch briefly last night, is the uh, like it's just a knife fight. Like it's these two guys who are holding knives at each other and they're about to fight. And Michael walks up and just taps them both on the shoulder. And then they just <laughs> drop the knives and start dancing together. And it's so yeah. fucking dumb. <laughs> it's so <laughs> stupid. And it's like, but that was like the most sincere. Like this was the biggest, like again, an important reminder, like beat it. This was a huge, huge hit song. This was like the biggest albums, I think, still of all time. This was like so universally beloved. And Michael at the time was the ultimate star. And again, I just love like when someone is at that level, they become they're just kind of unassailable. And nobody you don't notice these things because they're just like at the top of the top. And then you watch Al's video and then go back and watch Michael's and it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. And yeah. he's just pointing out well, how stupid so much of it is. It's great. I mean, again, in a loving way, he always walks that line of like, he's poking fun, but clearly is respectful of the source material, all that stuff. Um, well, you just pointed something out. I should have watched the Beat It video. I don't know why I didn't. But that, what you just said, two guys are about to have a knife fight. Michael goes up and taps him on the shoulder and they drop the <laughs> knives and dance instead. That's more ridiculous than anything exactly. in this weird album. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the only other things that I feel like we need to bring up just quickly about the music video. First of all, first, but will not be the last appearance of someone exploding in the middle of uh, playing yeah. a, an instrument. Yeah. <laughs> and, and actually, so, but also, it, I, this is interesting to me because that explosion sound effect is in the song. Yep. It's in the video, but it's also in the song, which, like, I don't, did they do the video? They didn't do the video first. Like, no. Was that I, just, was it an audio joke as well that the, the solo made this person explode? It seems like such a video afterthought, but it's actually yeah. in the track. Another, like, one of the only differences between Michael's version and Yeah, that's uh, pretty, Al's. Rick Derringer does a pretty good matchup of yeah. Eddie Van Halen's solo. And then the other thing is just, you know, beat it may have been a big song, but Thriller was still out there, so you had to get that little Thriller homage in the very final shot. Yeah, that was uh, that was confusing. It's that was super like, confusing. Uh, I don't, I don't <laughs> get it. It's the wrong video. <laughs> it's, it's the wrong video, and it also references, like, I don't know what it's even ref- like it's it's very odd like I don't I don't love that decision honestly because I don't <laughs> yeah, get I, like it seems like it's teasing so, like in the thriller video obviously that that's what Michael does at the end of the thriller video but that makes sense yeah because he's right. been uh, he's a demon as well you yeah, know, he's been gaslighting spoilers this girl for the thriller night. video but in <laughs> this one like Al going through all of the eat it stuff and then looking like a demon. I don't. I don't know. Is he supposed to look I, like an alien? Is it a reference to the alien from earlier? I, so I was gonna say we can't say hey the eyes are confusing and not talk about the alien. That makes even less sense when yeah. it shows up. In this, I have been curious about the alien my entire life because <laughs> it's well, 
it's not even like it's a cheap prop. That looks like a very expensive alien costume. It does. And side note, I did look, and apparently the alien is Bermuda Schwartz. Oh. Is in the alien costume. Perfect. But again, you couldn't tell it was him. He's completely. No. Co- I I don't I don't know. Is Jay in this at all? Because obviously I didn't Jim see West. Jay. I thought he yeah. might have been one of the back characters. Uh, Jim West is in there playing the guitar. Yeah, he blows up with the guitar. Solo. But I was totally looking. I I looked for several seconds because it's it freezes on that last shot the, for a long time shot. yeah thanks a lot for <laughs> thanks a lot for spoiling the thriller video for all yeah of us. i'm sorry guys <laughs> put a warning before this episode that if you haven't seen thriller right watch out <laughs> but i was looking at his eyes being like what food is that like he could those could have been eggs that's those what could i have thought been, like too. over yeah. easy eggs yeah, hamburgers no. in his eyes or something like that would have made sure. so much more sense i i it's really weird i i don't know like here's my theory <laughs> let's develop theories as to why <laughs> al did this stupid joke at the end of, <laughs> at the end of this I, video as if board. it wasn't just exactly what you think just was yeah like, I was oh, gonna say, i'm sure well, it is the first thing you said because it was yeah no so okay popular. okay so this actually does make sense okay when he was shooting the Eat It video, the Thriller music video had just come out. So I think it was more so that like the Beat It video was like a year old by the time they were shooting the Eat It music video. Mm, so I feel like right. it was just like kind of how like the South Park guys purposely will like make their show the same week that it airs right. because they want it to feel as relevant as possible. I feel like it's literally just thrown in there. So it's like, Hey, see, we're making fun of that Michael Jackson video that like just came out last yeah. month. It was <laughs> like, an attempt to stay, keep it topical, even though it has no story connection. Exactly. Exactly. To the, I, to the narrative we just heard. I, I, th- I, I would th- I thought an amazing conspiracy theory here would have been would have been if Al did the end of the Eat It video like that, and then Michael Jackson ended the Thriller video because he saw the end of the Eat It video, <laughs> and, and it was and it was referencing back to Eat It. And that would be an, a sick ass conspiracy. That would be amazing. <laughs> it is mind blowing and heartbreaking how many original scripts are written every year but are never made. So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free. All right. So let's talk about rankings real quick. And Chris, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something to you as well. You're gonna be the first the first part in what will become a reoccurring theme with our guests. But uh first let's start with Matt. Where are you ranking this amongst your Weird Al parodies thus far? I mean, I I must, I must put this at the top. Okay. I have no it, choice. You're putting it above it, my it, Bologna all the I'm, way at I'm the top. I'm putting it at the top of my list. It has to be. This is, and not to, because we're getting into the rankings, I don't want to like go too off on a tangent, but this occurred to me right before we recorded this, like, because we've said before, this is interesting how like perception of these things can vary from like what I think something is versus how it's actually perceived in the world. Like in my mind, not only is this like maybe Al's biggest song, period, his most notable, most successful. Is this the most famous successful song parody ever? Oh, it almost definitely would be it, like in the history of recorded music. Has a song parody ever come out that was this popular, like globally accepted? Um, I mean, any other options would probably still be Weird Al songs. You know what I mean? Like, I can't think of I a non-Weird so, Al artist song. Like, 
anyone out there who did a song that was a parody that was nearly on the level of importance. Like, cause the only other even owl songs I can think of would be like something like the saga begins where like, you know, the, the artist who wrote American pie has actively said that it is a struggle for him to not start singing weird owls lyrics when he does that song live right, still right, to right. this day, because that song was so just like universally accepted as like, Oh, this is great. Like this, yeah. this is undeniably great. Yeah. I mean the, the only other like, Side because I thought that I'm like oh this is his biggest and then I looked and on Spotify this is not even in Al's top ten so and I don't know if that's just the just, time that we're in the generational like it's too old I think that that's 100 percent it we need someone listening to eat it while riding a skateboard and drinking yeah <laughs> some like is that what orange juice and then this song will like skyrocket to the top of his <laughs> Spotify list <laughs> I didn't know before we did this episode that this was. Al's biggest song or even one of I mean he's had so many that I yeah. I didn't have that concept oh. of this now that now that we research and look at it I'm like yeah I guess because I would have assumed Amish Paradise I, I felt like that was so huge it was so huge so and then this is going to be like as we do this show there are multiple songs throughout his career and they're separated by years usually that are like new generational markers yeah, of like right. uh, he has touched on something that a whole new generation of kids are like, oh my god, this guy is a genius. Yeah, and he's right. he's done it several times. This is the first one that is mm-hmm. at that level. But again, I I'm even just thinking about what we like started with like the fact all of these comedians in the pandemic doing acapella versions. Like I can't envision another Al song that has that level of notability even after all this time. Right. And again, maybe it's just time. Like, I don't know. Maybe in 20 years, people are going to be uh, making videos for the next pandemic of them <laughs> singing uh, <laughs> White and Nerdy or, or, yeah, yeah, or Amish Paradise. I, I don't know. But I, just thinking about the idea of like, is this his single, ignoring my just personal taste rankings, is this yeah. the most notable, is this the peak of his influence as an artist, period? I th- I mean, I think it. I think this will be- It's a contender. When he signed up for Twitter, his Twitter bio was just, you know, the eat it guy. Like, yeah. that was 20, 30 years removed from this coming out, and that was how he still felt like people knew him. So yeah. I, I think think undeniably, and that's what's going to make this so much awkward when I put this at my number two. Because, <laughs> man, wow. I, I, I still nah, I'm, fucking I'm love Ricky. Ricky is holding tight in my that's top amazing. spot. amazing. get the hell out of here i mean i've been loving you chris just because matt's been making these choices that are so different from mine i I was worried early on it was going to be just we agreed on everything and that's so boring that that is shock i have to say i'm shocked matt that is amazing i'm just basing it off of like what song am i more likely to want to put on and i i fucking love ricky i love that parody so much wow matt would probably pick this boy over i want to hold your hand rank an early beatles song (laughs) 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 yeah i got some bad takes uh but i think you and i will agree on the music video rankings where 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 are you putting this on the music video yeah i have to i have to put this at the top as well i i agree on that yeah This yeah, yeah this is definitely the best of the three music videos. Yeah, it's great. It's really funny. It's very impressive just on its own of like, clearly again, he had some, and actually it's interesting. Like he obviously had, the label must've really believed in this because they clearly put more money behind it. Despite the fact that the first record didn't 
maybe underperformed. They must have heard this and been like, this is going to be a thing. Like, they, they, they really went into it. Yeah, and I'll say it again. I, we sort of touched on it earlier, but this is one of the – a handful of Al parodies that I legitimately think that I prefer to the original. Okay, there we go. And, and I, 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 would, I agree I would with listen that. to this song over Beat It that nine is, times out of ten. That is valid. Now, Chris, here's the thing I'm introducing, and I'm calling it the guest rankings category. And what happens here is, for now, you've got a pretty easy task. It's it's between Eat It or It's Still Billy Joel to Me, which we did last week with Dustin from $2 Late Fee. And based on the look on your face, it's just Eat It, basically. <laughs> so what, where would you rank this? Is Eat It better than It's Still Billy Joel to Me, the unreleased B-side off of his self-titled album? <laughs> well, that's a tough choice, but I'm going to have to go with Eat It. All right, Actually. so we'll put that at number one. Now, here's the thing I'm introducing. Not only will all future guests get to put something in their ranking, in, in the rankings, but I will read them the guest rankings, and they are allowed to make one adjustment as they see fit if they think that a previous guest just made a Matt Kelly-like play. <laughs> and it's like, no, that's boneheaded. I would like to take oh, that okay. from slot three back to sl- like up to slot one or whatever. Uh, Hostile they, takeover. Yeah, they can they can do that. So <laughs> so the last guest ever on this show will will be the person who has wow. the final definitive say of, and that could yeah. be you, Chris. You could you, we we could watch we could watch eat it get pushed so far down, like- and then you roll in <laughs> on the final episode and say I'm bumping it all the way to the this top, is like baby. Wh- white <laughs> like- elephant <laughs> rankings. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. I like that. It's a little strange and a little weird, so it feels absolutely appropriate for this podcast. At the time that we're recording this, we did release a bonus episode where Matt told us all about his experience seeing Al live, Mm. and someone sent us an email about that. Oh, really? Yeah. We have like a mailbag segment now. Yeah, kind of. I want to- mail. So this is from Russell. And Russell said, hey, after listening to the special episode you released today, it got me wondering if and when Al calls it quits for touring, could you see him taking up a Vegas residency? Uh, And then he also said, I've only been to one of his shows and going into it, I had no idea he did costume changes like Cher. He definitely has a catalog to support the residency as well. Um, If there's any typos, this was sent from a device with a very tiny keyboard, Russ. Mm. (laughs) Um, That's a great... You know what? Actually, I think that is highly possible. We were just talking about, you know, his band getting older and how interesting it is that Al is the youngest person in his band, but uh, he's had the same band all the way back to, you know, this time period in the 80s, um, early 80s, um, and how difficult it is to go out on the road, especially as, you know, you get older and it just now it's just difficult to be on the road in general. Vegas seems like the perfect sort of thing where they could just set up camp at a casino and they don't have to travel. They can just stay put, keep their set built, have everything kind of ready to go and uh, show up and just do their show every day. Actually, I had not thought of that, but that's a really, um, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. No, I think, uh, I think Russ killed it with that. I think you nailed it, Russ. I, 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 who knows? Um, Chris, but, do you um, have any opinion on this? Yes or yes or no to the Weird Al Vegas re- residency? I think it makes sense, but also I don't think Vegas is a very Weird Al place. 
if that if that makes sense. It, 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 I, I don't know. I mean, I've never been, but I mean, I could see like taking in a Penn and Teller magic show, yes. go into some Circus Olay, and then bouncing over to a Weird if Al Carrot set. Top can have a residency <laughs> in Vegas for this long, Weird Al would absolutely become, you know, so filthy yeah. rich by he, doing that. That if he's if that's something <laughs> he's interested in, I'm sure he would do well. He would be a real change from the norm of the shows there, but I think that could potentially really work yeah. in his favor. Yeah. Um, it also might generate from what I've heard, it might generate audiences that would not be his yeah, favorite. Right. <laughs> I can't imagine Al being stoked to play for like a bachelorette right. party. I think that would be pretty unwelcome. Cause I feel like that would be the biggest thing to get me to Vegas, right? Like I've yeah, never been to Vegas. It doesn't seem like a city I would necessarily love, but I'd go for a weird yeah, Al show. Yeah. Vegas is a weird <laughs> city. I mean, I just to, you know, to use the, the word, it is a weird place. I guess all types of people are there, but once again, I think Weird Al's going around and playing, and you have all the people like us in every city going to see him, people that are kind yeah. of, you know, nerds about certain things, uh, be it music yeah. or culture or whatever. But like you said, I think that's a pretty good point. Who's going to go see Al? A bunch of uh, coked-up bachelors? <laughs> you know, like, I, <laughs> I think that that might not be his his crowd is what I'm getting at. But what do I know? Yeah, no, you you might be right. It's I'm the idea of him trying to do his show and people just screaming for him to play. Uh, <laughs> play eat it. <laughs> play eat it. Play confessions. Hey, part by three. the way, one one thing I want to leave you guys with that that uh, yeah. I googled lyrics to eat it, and unfortunately, the weird mm. owl eat it is not what comes up for that anymore. Oh no. What, <laughs> oh, what um, comes up? If you if you Google just eat it lyrics. It's actually the Megan the Stallion, which you can only imagine. You can only imagine what what this Edith is about. Chris, so I'm so glad you brought that up because I I forgot that that was a recent joke where that song came out and Al posted on Twitter. He's like, <laughs> you know, I can't remember what he said, but basically was like, oh wow, she really made some changes <laughs> to my song. <laughs> That's amazing. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? 
You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 